Church, if you're a guest, we're sure glad to have you here. Would you do us a favor attached to your bulletin as a communication card? Would you just fill that out completely right now, rip it off at the end of the services, drop it in the offering bucket. It's a way for us to get to know you a little bit better, see how we can minister to you, to your needs. Also, if you're a guest following the service, if you'll drop out in the lobby, any of the three tables with the People's Church tablecloth on them, you can just pick up a guest packet with lots of information about the church and all that God is doing here at People's Church. Also, want to make a very exciting, exciting announcement. Uh, last week was our Commitment Sunday and the Celebration Sunday, and our Enjoy, who has partnered with us for this project, they were blown away by how many people participated in this. Uh, the Enjoy guy, and his name is Brian, has been working with us, uh, helping us during this campaign. He says, he told Josh this week, he said, Josh, there's no doubt about it, the great participation of this church that this church believes in this vision of people's church. And amen, we got a church that believes in reaching this city with the good news of Jesus Christ. Here is our total um, so far as of today, uh, after the first couple of services, even today, we are over the $3 million mark that's been committed, amen, to this project to reach more people. All I can say is thank you. Thank you, thank you for your commitment and your investment and your investment in reaching more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. We are going to work uh, to get to, to reach this city. If you haven't made a commitment yet, we want to give you an opportunity to do so today. If this is your church home, uh, in the back of all the seats, there are uh, commitment cards there. And if you'd like to make a commitment, you were gone last week, had several that were gone and even let us know that we're going to be gone and uh, maybe just didn't have a chance last week. Uh, you can just pull one of those commitment cards out. Uh, just put the three-year total uh, that the Lord is leading you to give to this crazy campaign in that box there, the three-year actual total. And just drop it in the offering bucket, and we'll get you included uh, in this total and give you a, another update next week. Well, we're beginning a brand new series today, and I'm very excited about uh, what the Lord has laid upon our hearts uh, for, this, for this series. Uh, we, we've titled this series, You're Invited. Before I begin to teach God's Word to you today, check out this video. Hi, my name is Courtney Gaines. I first started coming to People's Church back when it was a in AMC Theaters. Um, I saw a sign when I was shopping one day in the mall. And what attracted me to the church was that it was a multicultural church. After a couple of weeks of going there, I invited Stephen. And then I attended one time at the AMC Theater. And then after a couple of months, after People's Church moved into the new facility, that's when I started attending People's Church regularly. So then I wanted to start uh, uh, witnessing to other people and just to share what a great experience and a great moment I had at People's Church. So then that's when I decided to reach out to my aunt, Linnell Wilson. Hello, my name is Linnell Wilson, and I am the aunt of Courtney and Stephen Gaines. I attended a week after Steve told me how great it was. Now that I'm here, y'all had me as a family, and we brought our other family. So we came the opening of People Church in 2005, and uh, we just I just loved it. Hi, my name is Pam Gaines. It just turned out to be a great uh, worship place for my husband and I, because we were both looking for a place to worship together over the years we've been married. This is my home. This is where I really want to start my home here at, at the People's Church. And ever since then, I've been coming, and it's been two years now. And after the fact, I invited Kelly, Misha, and Tiffany Daniels to the People's Church. My name is Kelly Daniels. I'm here with my family. We came from a Catholic background, and this is the first church I've ever I felt at home with. 
Isn't that great? I mean, one person, Courtney, started coming. And because of the power of an invite, now none of the people are coming and worshiping. Lives are being changed at People's Church. Unbelievable. You know the awesome thing about that is, Courtney, all you single folks, listen up. I got a word from God for you today. Courtney came here, and she was single, and she invited Stephen, and now they're married. Hey, get to inviting. Come on. Bless him, Lord. Bless him, Jesus. Bless him. <laughs> <laughs> they are married. And I just tell you, that's the power of an invite. Did you realize the last statistic that I've read is like nine out of ten people who come to Christ, they come because of a family member or a, a relationship with somebody that they know, a coworker, a neighbor, a friend that they have a relationship with. Nine. Thank God for crusades and big tent revivals. But the number one way that people come to Christ is because they were invited by a friend. They were led to Christ by a co-worker, that they, somebody at school that they had a relationship with. And because of the power of an invite, Courtney invited Stephen, and it trickled on down, and more people came to this church, and lives have been changed because of the power of an invite. Today we are beginning this series called You're Invited. The title today that I want to share with you is the search. I want to talk to you about the search. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. I'm going to pick up reading in verse number one. Matter of fact, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15 uh, for the remainder of our time together this morning. Luke 15 and verse number one. The scripture reads, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. That's Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep? Notice this. Until he finds it. Until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search? Everybody say search and search carefully until she finds it. Notice this until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Understand, church, that every Christ follower should be searching for the lost. Every Christ follower, every born-again believer should be on the search and they should be looking and trying to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, we could just call ourselves searchers. That's what we could call ourselves. Just We are a bunch of, of searchers for Christ. And the Bible points this out. It uses different terminology. The scripture says that we're the light of the world. Or it says something like we're the salt of the earth. But we have a mandate on our life as believers to be searchers, to be people who are trying to win our friends, our neighbors, our family members to the Lord Jesus Christ. What I want to do today is I want to give you three characteristics of searchers. We're all called to be searchers. And here are some characteristics that ought to be evident in our life. Three characteristics of searchers. You can follow along with me in the bulletin 
and fill in the blanks. Point number one is this. Searchers have compassion. They have compassion. And what I have come to understand as, as people are looking and trying to win people to Christ, here, here's what I've learned. People either have compassion or they have condemnation. When it comes to the unchurched, they have compassion or they have condemnation. And, and the Pharisees were full of condemnation. Look with me back in Luke chapter 15 and verse number 1. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, to hear Jesus. The, the sinners weren't intimidated by Jesus. They, they weren't scared of Jesus. They weren't threatened by Jesus. They wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. Verse 2 says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, I find this very interesting that the people around Jesus, there were sinners and there were teachers of the law. There were heathens and there were Pharisees, the religious people. They were all gathered around Jesus. And notice the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, their response. They said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That they were condemning. They had condemnation. They said, Jesus is hanging around these sinners. What's his deal? I mean, why in the world is he around these sinners? In today's vernacular, we would say, why is he hanging around those thugs? Why, why is he hanging around those people that are, are living that, that, that nasty and dirty lifestyle? Why in the world is Jesus hanging with sinners? They were full of condemnation. And notice, notice Jesus' response in verse number three. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses just one, just one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Jesus says, just like you would have compassion if you were to lose a sheep. You, you, you had a hundred sheep and if one got away, you would have compassion, you would care, that would be money out of your pocket and you would leave the 99 and you would go after the one sheep and Jesus said just like you would have compassion, you would care about the lost sheep that got away, Jesus said you ought to have that same compassion and that same concern and care for people who don't know me, for people who don't have a relationship with me. The first characteristic is you got to have compassion. You got to care. It, it reminds me of of my of my kids. If you don't know me very well, I I have three kids. I have a a four year old son, then I have a two and a half year old son, and I have a year and a half old daughter, and then I got one on the way. My wife can't keep her hands off of me. Pray for her. Amen. She just she just can't keep. I'm telling you, woman's crazy about me. Lord have mercy. And uh, my, my my two boys. They, they love to play hide-and-seek. So that's kind of our favorite game is we play that three or four times a week, hide-and-seek. And, and I love to play with them. And because I'm lazy and I, I'm the daddy, I make the rules, I say we, we're going to only hide in those three rooms. That's it, boys. You can't hide anywhere else but those three rooms. And so the, the boys love to play hide-and-seek. And, seek and they'll, they'll go. Usually Kel goes first and he goes and hide. And I mean, I'm, I'm good at hide-and-seek. Ready or not, here we come. And me and Cade go back. It takes us every bit of 15 seconds. We just go back in there. And I usually find them in the closet. Cade usually crawls on the floor and finds them under the bed. And we find them. And then I love Cade. Here's what Cade does. Wherever Kel hides, that's where Cade's going to hide. <laughs> so I say, now, Cade, don't hide where your brother's going to hide. Now, the object is that we can't find you, and we'll come, and lo and behold, there's Cade hiding. As a matter of fact, Cade, every once in a while, he'll just poke his head out. Here I am! Son, you're missing the point of the game. This is hide and seek. <laughs> We're not supposed to find you. 
And one day, one day, we were playing hide and seek, and Kel, he went to hide uh, as normal, and, and me, me and Cade, uh, we said, ready or not, here we come. And we go back into those three rooms, and we started looking, and I opened the closet door, and I can't find Kel, and I got Cade looking under the bed, and, and then we go into the next room, and he looks under his sister's crib, and, and we don't see him, and, and I go, man, he's not in any of these three rooms. I can't find him. And so I go out, and Tiffany's cooking in the kitchen. I said, Honey, have you seen Kel? Has he come by here? She goes, no. I'm thinking, that boy ain't that good. He's just four. So I'm going back in there, and we, we, we start looking again. I open the closet door up, and I'm looking, and Bubby's on the floor again. And we look through all three rooms, and I cannot find my son anywhere. And I walk out, and now I'm nervous. And I'm kind of full of pride, too. This boy, surely he ain't that good. Something has happened. Something's wrong with my... I really, I'm thinking, something's wrong. And I'm thinking, did he go outside? Oh, man, if he went outside, he's going to get hit by a car. Did something fall on him? Because I cannot find my son anywhere. And at that moment, when I can't find my son, I had two options. Option number one is I could respond like the Russian did in Rocky. If he dies, he dies. I mean, it's not that big of a deal if my boy dies. I got two more kids anyways. My Lord, I got a third one on the way. I still have three. I mean, it ain't that big of a deal. But that's not how I responded. I loved my son. And matter of fact, at that very moment, I didn't even focus on my other two kids. It wasn't that I didn't care about my kids. I care about them deeply. Take care of them, provide for them. But at that very moment, the only thing that had my attention was I had a boy that was lost. And my entire attention and focus was to find my son. And I began to call out, Kel! Where are you, Kel? Come here, Kel! And of course, you know, Kel's probably sitting there thinking, no, I'm not coming. This ain't the name of the game. You come find me. I'm not coming to find you. And so he doesn't come. Kel, where are you, son? Come here. And so I had to get real firm. I waited about another 30 seconds and said, Kel, you come here right now. You're going to get in trouble. And then Kel runs out the room about 10 seconds later. And he says, I win it. I win it. For a four-year-old, that means I won. Amen. I win it. I win it. I said, boy, where were you hiding? He took me back in his sister's room. He was underneath the crib, but there was some, uh, something that was in the front of the crib that was blocking, and he crawled up behind it, and so his little brother would look, and all he could see was the thing that was blocking Kel, and so Kel winned that day. <laughs> and about scared me to death. But you know what? I cared. I was going to find my boy. I wasn't going to be satisfied just because I got two kids and I got one on the way. There's a lost son of mine, and we are going to find him. You see, the first characteristic of a searcher is they got to have compassion. Do you care? Your neighbor, your coworker, your friend? your relative that's lost without God. There's a second characteristic that I want to draw your attention to today. Point, point number two is this. Searchers find. Searchers find. Matter of fact, I, I love how it says, I, I, I brought emphasis to it when I was reading it. It says he, he went after the lost sheep until, until he finds it. He was going to find it. The, the scripture says that she searched carefully until she finds it. And I love Luke 15 verse 5. It says, and when 
He finds it. It's not an option. I'm going to find the sheep. And when he finds it, Luke 15 and and verse number 9 about the lady and the coin. And when she finds it, it's not an option. I'm going to find my lost coin. Searchers find. And friends, the way that searchers find, number one is this. Searchers find because they search. Searchers find because they search. Friends, don't, don't, don't miss this. If you and I are not careful, we'll spend all of our time hanging out with other searchers. My son, let's hypothetically say he's lost again, playing hide and seek, and I can't find him. Matter of fact, this time I've called for him, and he has not come, and I'm nervous. So I pick up the phone, and I call you. I say, would you come over to my house and help me find my son? I got a son that's lost. And I can't find him anywhere. You say, sure, pastor, I'll come over and help you find your son. And you come over to the house and, and you tell Tiffany and I, you say, yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to help you find your son. But first, let's have a cup of coffee. And I want to talk to you about some searching strategies. And so you sit down and you're drinking coffee and you're writing down your searching strategies. And, and after the coffee, you say, well, you know what, before we go search, let's, I got a couple of good searching books by the best, best authors in the world. And we're going to read a few books about searching. So, okay. And you said, well, well, now before we actually go searching, Pastor, what we got to do is I want you to go, you got to go to me, with me to my searching Sunday school class. I got a searching community group that, that I go to and we talk about searching. It's going to really help you as we talk about, about searching. And, and matter of fact, in this Sunday school class, not only do we talk about searching, we get deep. We look at the Greek about searching and it's good. It's it. We got the Greek word down about searching, what it means and how you go about searching for people. And if we're not careful, we spend all of our time hanging out with other searchers, but we don't ever go searching. We hear sermons about searching. We read Bible verses about searching. We pray about searching. We read books about searching. We got literature and tracts about searching. And yet, we don't go search. And the scripture says when the, when, when, when the sheep was gone, the, the coin was gone, it wasn't optional. They were going, they were going to go searching. They were going to go find. They didn't just sit back. Number two is this. Searchers don't wait for the lost thing to come to them. You see, you see, the, the shepherd went after the lost sheep. The, the lady, she, she swept the floor and looked for the coin. She didn't just say, well, one day I hope that coin turns up. Oh, no. She was aggressively going to look for that coin. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves coming to church week after week and worshiping, reading our Bibles and praying and just hoping somebody shows up but never being actively involved in, in searching. And matter of fact, we can begin to, to begin to think, you know what, you know, I, I just, I just hope they, they show up. Matter of fact, I, I really, my, my, my prayer is God just put me in a work environment where there's nothing but Christians. Oh, praise the Lord. You are missing the purpose of why you're here. Lord, I just want to be in a neighborhood where there's nothing but Christians. There's nothing but Christians. And, and you're, you're just wanting to isolate yourself and hang around searchers. And you're missing the point of why you're saved. If God just wanted you to get saved and go to heaven, he'd, he'd have killed you and just took you on to glory. 
But you're here for a, a purpose and it's more than just making money and it's more than just getting your education and it's more than just raising your kids and it's more than just trying to retire. God has specifically put you where you are to be a searcher, to be light, to be salt. And if we're not careful, we just go through life just saying, hope they show up, hope they give their life to the Lord, pray it for you. And yet the scripture says that they were actively engaged and involved in searching for the coin and the sheep. There's a, a third thing about searchers find. The third thing is this, searchers are persistent. They're persistent. And I love the text. It says the, the shepherd went after the lost sheep and he was going after it until he found it. And he was out there in the open country and no doubt about it, having to fight the mosquitoes and the ticks, maybe snakes. I mean, he's out there, maybe in inclement weather, but he's going to do whatever it takes to find the lost sheep. And the scripture says the lady, she wanted to, she was going to look for her lost coin and she was persistent. She was going to sweep the floor until she found it. Her floor didn't look like your floor. You see, you're picturing a 21st century floor. Her floor was made out of dirt. And her coin was laying in dirt. And yet she was persistent. She lit the lamp and she was sweeping the dirt floor. She was going to do whatever it took to find her coin. She was going underneath the chair. She was looking. She was being persistent to find that lost coin. I want to encourage you about something today. That lost husband or wife that you're starting to give up on, be persistent. Keep sweeping. I'm not advocating that you beat them over the head and put Bible verses on their pillow. That's not what I'm saying. But love them. Be Jesus. Keep praying. Keep sharing the love of love. That co-worker, you say there's no way and you tried to invite them. You tried to share Christ. Don't you give. Keep sweeping. Keep Be persistent. Don't give up. Don't, don't stop sweeping. That, that child of yours who's not serving God, don't you give up. I know they're on drugs. I, I know they don't know the Lord, but you keep sweeping. You keep loving them. You keep, you keep being persistent. You know what oftentimes happens to me and to you? Is we get so caught up in life and working and raising kids and paying bills and our own problems that we we lay the broom aside and we say you know I, I hope they come to Christ but I'm busy with my life and my problems and my bills and my stuff and my kids and and we're no longer involved in the search and I want to encourage you search is fine you got to pick up your broom and you got to get busy looking and inviting and investing and spending time with other folks besides searchers. There's a, a third characteristic that I want to show you today in this portion of scripture. No, number three is this. Searchers keep the all. Searchers keep the all. I'll, I'll unpack that as I read these verses to you. Luke chapter 15 and verse number five, the scripture says, and when he finds it, it's not an option, we're going to find him. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Now, this blows me away. He goes home. Check this out. Check this out. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. He calls his friends and neighbors together. Of course, we're thinking 21st century. <laughs> 
We're thinking picking up the phone and calling AT&T. You know what I mean? We're thinking picking up the cell phone and, and calling. Listen, they didn't have cell phones. There was no AT&T. Listen, he was going to go gather his friends and his neighbor. Let me tell you what homeboy did. He got on that horse and he was working that horse to go get, because there was no phones. I mean, this was work. You want to go and get your neighbors and friends? You don't pick up the phone. There is no phone. You got to work. You got to go door to door. You got to get on the horse and ride to get your... But listen, this is huge. I know I've got 99 sheep. I know I'm wealthy. I've got plenty of money. You got 99 sheep in those days. You are loaded. But this guy thought it was such a big deal. He was so in awe of the fact that he found his one lost sheep. He went and got all of his friends and neighbors, and he threw a party. And he said, folks, let's rejoice, because I have found my one lost sheep. The lady in Luke 15, in verse number 9, says, and when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice. I mean, this is huge. I'm in awe. This is a big deal. I know I've got 10 coins, but I couldn't. One was lost. So rejoice with me. Because I found my lost coin. And in the same way, the scripture says, I tell you, there is more, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Heaven rejoices every time one person comes to Christ. Just one. There's a party in heaven over just one. Can I tell you something about heaven? People coming to Christ never gets old in heaven. They don't go, oh, oh, just somebody gave their heart to the Lord. I mean, big deal. Oh, no. Every time somebody gives their heart to God, there is a party in heaven. Matter of fact, as I studied the scriptures and uh, I'm a student of the word of God, I, I, I never see any other time there's a party in heaven. When an arm grows back and I believe in the power of God and God is still healing and performing miracles today and an arm grows back, the scripture doesn't ever say there's a party in heaven. Thank God for God's power. And, 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 and I'm not trying to minimize it. And thank God that, that when people, God heals and they get out of a wheelchair and they have the activity of their limbs again. But the scripture does not record that there's a party in heaven because somebody was healed. The only time there is a party in heaven is when just one, one person comes to know the Lord. If there is a minor concern of mine for this church, we're a young church. We're, we'll turn six years old in May. And if the Lord continues to wait and not come back for his church, we'll be seven and eight and ten years old. If there's one concern that I have is that we would lose the all of people coming to Christ. We would start thinking it's not that big of a deal. We would start going, oh, oh. somebody got saved today at church again. I mean, when are we going to really do something important? I mean, I know we see people say, but when are we going to really do something that matters? <laughs> and we start losing the awe of people coming to Christ. And my prayer is that we'll always rejoice. We won't just go, oh, another life change video. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> but we'll always be in awe. That God 
is changing lives week after week, and it never gets old. The only time there's a party in heaven is when just one person comes to Christ. There are three applications I want you to take home from this message. Three things I want you to take home today from this message. Number one is this. It's in the form of a question. Number one is, who are you searching for? I want you to take that home and think about it. Who are you searching for? There, there, There are two people under the sound of my voice today. Number one is this person. You're no longer searching. The broom is in the closet and you're not searching. You, you just go to work and go to school and come home and pay bills and have your fun and your activities. And you come to church and you worship. You hang around with your other searchers in your community group or with, in your clique and, you, and you, you're hanging out. But, but you're no longer searching. And I want to encourage you. This is not beating you up, condemnation, a guilt trip. But I want to encourage you. Listen, God's placed you where you are for a reason. I want to remind you that, that God put you in that neighborhood for a reason. That God has you in that work environment for a reason. God has you in that sphere of influence for a reason. He gave you that authority, that position, that leadership gift for a reason. And that is to point as many people as you can to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that you wouldn't lose focus of your call to be a searcher. There is a second group of people under the sound of my voice. And this group of people, you are searching. And I want to tell you, don't stop. Be persistent. Keep searching. Keep the broom in your hand. Keep loving on people. Keep showing up at the break room and, and seeing that person that's down and out and loving on them. And in the back of your mind saying, I know you need Jesus. and I'm going to love on you and I'm going to invite you. And, and keep going to that person, that next door neighbor whose life is falling apart and say, I just want to talk to you. Can our family, can we help you? Because in the back of your mind, you're saying, I know the answer is Jesus. And, and you're showing up at your school and you're there to get your education. But you know, listen, you don't know the Lord and you don't know the Lord. And how can I connect with you? Not not just with my friends and not, not just with other searchers, but how can I connect with you to win you to the Lord Jesus Christ? Keep on searching. There's a second take home today, second application. Number two, I want you to understand that People's Church wants to partner with you. We want to partner with you to reach your unchurched friends and family. We have designed these services. We've designed this church as a place where you can invite your friends and family. To hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can count on this. We're going to do our part. If you invite your friend, your neighbor, your co-worker, your family member to this place. Here's my guarantee to you. We will have prayed. We're going to sing songs that lift up the name of Jesus. And I'm going to preach and teach a message. Or one of our staff will preach and teach a message. That is centered around God's word. And that points people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's going to be in a practical and relevant way that they understand the language that we're speaking. That's our guarantee. And if your family is like my family, some of my family, they turn, they're turned off by me. They don't look at me and go, wow, that's a preacher, mom. Come preach to me, Herbert. No, no, that's just little Herbert Jr. I don't want to hear what you have to say. And some of your family, some of your friends, they think that about you. I don't want to hear all that Jesus stuff, but, but you could say, listen, would you come with me? Just come to church and we'll partner with you and we'll preach the good news of Jesus Christ. The anointing of the Holy Spirit will be here. And we're going to watch God transform their life. There's a third take home. The third take home is this. I want you to understand that East, the Easter season, people are open to come to church. During the Easter season, people are open to come to church. And here's what we're going to do. We are believing that on Easter, we're going to have over 2,500 people worshiping here. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Even it gets up to 3,000 people coming on Easter. 
It's a time when we talk about bunny rabbits and they'll talk about Easter eggs and it's this big hype about Easter and yet people have this spiritual awareness about God and, and about Jesus and we can use this window to reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to have five services on Easter Sunday. We're going to add a 1.30 service on Easter. We're going to keep all four services, 8.30, 9.45, 11, 12, 15, and we're going to add a 1.30 service. Here's what I need you to do for just one week. For one week, would you either come to the 8.30 service or the 1.30 service on Easter Sunday to free up as much, as many seats, as many parking spaces, as much kid space as we can free up to win more people to Jesus Christ. Would you do that 8.30 or 1.30 and invite as many people as you can to hear the life-changing message of Jesus Christ? Invest and invite and let's change this city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're called to be searchers. I commission you. Let's get on the search. Lord, I love you today, and I praise you. Thank you for these wonderful people, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for your hand that's upon our life. Thank you, Lord.